0: Before I get to that, though, I need to let you know you can get this series podcast anywhere in the world for free on all major podcasting platforms, Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and more. You can get this as part of the Buy Investing in a Car series anywhere in the world for free. Plus, please remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube so you're notified every time we release a new video and release new videos all the time. Hey, guys. Sorry about the technical difficulties with... The Zoom to Facebook integration. Um, not sure what was going on. I'm going to have to test it more or do some troubleshooting online. But I got it set up and actually working this time, unlike <laughs> the last time I did live trainings. Um, but there was super big lag, like 20, 30 seconds. So I didn't want to miss anybody's stuff doing that. So I'm just hosting it here in Zoom. Hopefully, people will join um again i understand if they're not able to because there are a lot more people are on facebook than there are on zoom so if not again i apologize that i'll look to fix that going forward um if you have any tips on that that you're watching this watching the replay i'm still going to post this replay in the facebook group and i'm going to do these kind of trainings more often um i did them a while back and i stopped i don't re- really remember why um but I'm gonna start them back up. This week, we're covering GameStop. Next week, we're covering AMC. And in these videos, when I say we're going to cover and evaluate stocks, we're going to cover and evaluate stocks. We're going to um, look at the numbers under a preliminary analysis, do a full preliminary analysis, which I have on my screen here, which I'll share with you in a second. Um, we will also do valuations, write notes. I'll tell you my thoughts on the stocks. And in GameStop and AMC's case, I will also tell you my thoughts on the, frankly, the um, the craziness around their stocks and how I helped some friends and family avoid massive pain, especially with GameStop stock uh, cratering. So with all that said, I'm going to give it one more minute, uh, letting people in. Again, hopefully letting people in. I, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Again, I'm going to go close my door since my daughter just opened it and make sure they are situated, but I will be back in one minute.
1: All right. Kids are situated, hopefully, they don't come in the room again. And uh, we can get started again. If you're watching this, the replay, the reason there's nobody here is I was having major te- technical difficulties with the Facebook to zoom integration there was a massive lag so i couldn't uh play this from zoom to facebook i'm gonna have to figure that out that's the reason there's nobody here if you're watching the replay of this make sure to I need to turn off my notifications first of all uh, make sure to um ask me any questions anything you want more uh me to explain better me to explain differently need to explain um things better to you because I'm going to use this as, as a teaching thing for you guys. I'm doing this to help you learn how to evaluate stocks better and faster and more efficiently. Um, so having said all that, let's get to the screen. So here we are. Here's one of my screens. This is my full preliminary analysis checklist. Oops. This is from an old one. I just transferred it over. I will explain, again, what all these things mean in depth as we go through them. You'll see valuations down here. Um, we're going to do a full analysis of GameStop. So notifications everywhere. Apologize for that. Don't go on mute. Um, we're going to do all this. And by the end of this, should be 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour tops with uh me just doing further ex- explanations of things you understand how to not only what gamestop and my thoughts are on gamestop and why my thoughts are that way on gamestop you uh, you understand why it's crashed since it ran up to 345 dollars per share or whatever it was you understand um these things about gamestop valuation my thoughts on it how to formulate your own thoughts going forward, what the terms mean, what you're seeing on the sheet over here. Um, so, you, And the more important thing though, is so you can use this going forward to help yourself and to learn how to evaluate stocks faster. You can use this uh, yourself, either copy and paste this template and transfer it over, or you can download, um, I'll, I'll get resources at the end of this where you can download some free, free uh, resources of mine and get more information about our masterclass as well. So all I need for this, we actually bring in the other screen and I apologize for the screen switching. I'm used to having one screen that I can has both views and on this, it's not allowing me to do that. So I apologize for that. So hopefully now you're seeing the GameStop stuff over here. This is all you need. You need the morningstar.com open. And when I say morningstar.com, you just need the free. I, I don't pay for this. I am a free member, but um, that doesn't really give you much more access to things. This is just a free resource to use. It's financial website gives you financial data. You need that. You need the key ratios tab, which you open up in another sheet here, which I already did. Right there. You need the financials tab, which you open in a different tab right here. And then you need the evaluation tab. Again, open in a new tab right here. That's all you need to evaluate an entire stock on a preliminary basis fully. So the first thing you'll notice over here is the huge up in its share price today. Uh, up almost 18% rate, of course, correct? Um, not really, because <laughs> if you have been following this, it was all the way up to $380 per share, which I didn't realize. And now it's down to 53.50 per share. Um again, I'll tell you what happened and all that as we get through this. But for those of you who do not know, that's there's been a bit of a battle between oh, on the occasions. There's been a, a bit of a battle between hedge funds and traders, which sent GameStop's get, uh, share skyrocketing. And my dad asked me the other day, why are they fighting over GameStop? I said, I don't have any idea uh, why, they're, why GameStop isn't stopped they're fighting over. Um, I just tell you that they are fighting over it. So and this is going to slow things down a bit. Uh, so instead of just switching screens, I'm going to just bring this over here on occasion. What we want here is make sure this information is updated. Make sure this information is updated. We find that on the... Key ratios tab. Okay, U.S. dollars millions. We want to make sure it's not only in U.S. dollars, also in millions instead of billions, um, because if you mix up not only currencies but millions and billions, can make a checking difference in the size of the stock, obviously. So, all we need from over here is the 4.39 market cap and they pay a 0% dividend. So again, you're not missing anything over here. All I've done is update this and I just left this the same from the old stock. Okay, next up is operating margin, which you can find here. I want this in the trailing 12 month period, which is minus 3.8%. And I also want it in the five year. Period as well, which is, let's see, twenty-three point two percent total. And I do when I do this one, two, three, four, five. I don't do the trailing twelve-month period in the five-year average. So trailing twelve-month period, four point six four percent. I look for anything above 10% on a consistent basis for operating profits or oper- operating margin. Why 10%? Um, I've evaluated thousands of companies, thousands of different stocks all over the world over the last 14, 15 years of my career. And I estimate that far fewer than 5% of all companies on earth have a above, consistently above 10% operating profit margin. What that means if a company surpasses this threshold, that they're a great operating business. Um, literally a world class operating business because, again, less than 5% of companies I estimate in the world produce consistently high operating profits, operating profit margins above 10% on the consistent basis. Why do I use this instead of net profits? I have videos where I talk about this, and I'll link probably in the replay of this um, to explain it more fully. But just for some context here, I don't use net profit because. I want the profitability from a company's operations, which is why I use operating profit and free cash flow. I don't want, net profit is because it's after taxes, after interest, after all those kind of things. It's far easier to manipulate than operating profits because it's based on things like tax credits, um, things like your tax rate, which again, if you have great accountants and great lawyers, you can pretty much make your tax rate whatever you want. So. Um, I don't like using net profit. Frankly, I never use net profit, except as a comparison to something. I always use operating profit, free cash flow, or only earnings, which we're not gonna get into all today. So again, I'll post some links to the replay for this below that for the, um, for the uh, fuller context on why I don't use net income, because there's more reasons, um, but that gives you a uh, basic understanding right there. Okay. Next up. So here we are on the sheet. Next up, again, you'll notice I skip completely over net income, earnings per share. I don't, I don't use it for the reasons I said it earlier, and also from the uh, the linked blog post. So, share count fell, fell from million in 2011 to 65 million in the trailing 12 month period. Okay. Why is this important? While I calculate this number, 154 minus 57, so it's fallen by 57.8% in this period. Why is that important? Most of the time I want Companies to buy back stock if their shares are undervalued. The reason I want that is because if you compress, I guess is the best way to put it, the amount of shares a company has, in this case from 154 million to 65 million, the same amount of earnings or free cash flow or operating profit remains generally, if a company is doing things right, which we'll get to in a second. Um, um, but there are fewer shares. So I, the, I explained this, actually I learned this from one of my students a while back. Um, he was a math teacher and he explained this better than I did and I kind of stole from him and I give him credit. Thanks, David, for that, uh, for this uh, comparison or al- analogy. I think of this like a pizza. If a company has, let's say, $1 billion in earnings or net profit or operating profit or uh, free cash flow or whatever, that is, billion is spread out in 2011 over $154 million, $154 million shares. Sorry, now that same $1 billion profit is spread out only over 65 million shares. This essentially, again, keeping all things equal, which never happens because companies are liquid, but keeping all things equal, this will increase... The value of every share by about fifty-seven point eight percent. The opposite is also true. If a company issues a ton of shares, um, let's say it's the complete opposite, and they issued fifty-seven point eight percent of the shares, or they increased their share count. Sorry, by fifty-seven point eight uh, percent of their share count over the last decade, that would all else remaining equal, make the shares worth fifty-seven point eight percent less in the last decade. So. That's why I want to know why this is important. Because over the long term, companies are valued. Oops, companies are valued based on their cash flows that they produce. And the higher cash flows per share a company produces, um, and operating profits company produces, the more valuable the company's shares are worth, which makes the company's stock go up in value or down in value if they issue shares. That's why I want to know what that is. Uh, book value per share. Is rose, fell, fell, fell in 2012. The value per share fell from 22 dollars 24 per share in 2012 to $4.76 per share in 2012 period or a fall Of seventy-eight point six percent. Okay. Again, I'll bring the sheet back over here. The reason I track book value per share is yes, book value per share doesn't mean as much as it used to mean for companies that were producing um, things like hard assets, manufacturers, retailers, stuff like that. It doesn't matter as much. The reason I still track both value per share and its fluctuations over time is because it's still a very basic valuation of the company, tracking the essentially the net asset value of the company, and if this goes up or down over time. Generally, you wanna see this going up over time. There are some exceptions um, to this, um, which I can't explain in another video or in more videos. Net so net income, income, videos, and book, value, videos. So I made a note of that. I'm going to put those in the, the description as well because um, that takes us off topic today. Generally, you want to see this going up over time though because... If it's going up over time, that generally means that the underlying value, the intrinsic value of the stock is going up over time. If this is falling, that means the underlying intrinsic value is falling over time. Again, it's not an exact comparison because book value doesn't matter as much for companies anymore, or most most companies anymore, as it used to. uh, Because most companies' assets are no longer hard assets anymore. Um, But it still does matter, even though it's not necessarily a huge deal. Okay, next up. ROIC, scroll down the page. This is return on invested capital here. So, negative 15.41% in the trailing 12 month period. And over the last five years, it is two, three, four, five. Okay. Negative 2.4%. Negative 2.4%. Okay. I look at this uh, ROIC, return on invested capital, is a profitability metric that shows how profitable essentially a com- company's operations are, how well it uses its assets. This, this metric essentially measures how well a company uses its assets all of its assets to generate profits. The higher this number, the better. Um, I look for this to be 10% or better on a consistent basis for the same reasons as operating profit um, that I talked about earlier. Of course, you see here, GameStops is well below that. Um, Next up, ROE. And I wish there was people on here. Again, I apologize for the, um, for the, Technical difficulties. I'll hope to get that fixed by the time next week. But um, doing these live trainings with people is actually one of my favorite things to do. So it sucks that um, you guys couldn't be a part of that, and it sucks for me because not only does it help me explain things better with your guys' questions, um, but I just like interacting with people more than the Zoom video like this by myself. 48. Four. Okay, Ooh. negative 10% on a consistent basis. So I don't use ROE, return on equity, for anything other than as a comparison to ROIC. The reason being, you can see this here. ROE is levered by debt, unlike ROIC. ROIC is not. What does that mean? That means if Debt, uh, debt is leverage. It's positive leverage or negative leverage depending on how you use it. If you use it well, it's a good thing. Uh, if, let me rephrase that. If you use it well and it's low cost and you can afford the payments, it can be debt can be a good thing. If the opposite of those things are true, it can be a bad thing. And this illustrates the power of negative leverage in this case. So it's five-year ROIC on average is negative 2.4%. But because of the negative power of debt in this case, their ROE is 10%. The bigger the spread is between the ROIC and the ROE, the more debt a company has. So right now, immediately, I can tell that not only are they not doing great on a profitability level up here and an operational operational profitability and Growth of the company level up here, down here, I can tell that not only again is the company not profit, not as profitable as it, the companies I look for, but that it also has a significant amount of debt because negative fifty-seven point nine percent here is far higher than the negative fifteen point four percent. So, what happens if this is the opposite? Let's say this was positive fifteen point four percent, and their levered ROE or their, their debt positively leverages their ROE to 57.9%. Is that a good thing? Uh, in my opinion, no, because that means the company, again, has significant debt. Debt fluctuates over time in the companies, as do the company's uh, prospects. So I'm a very conservative investor. I don't want comp- most companies I have, or pretty much every company I invest in, doesn't have hardly any debt compared to the, its cash and profitability. So I don't like that, even if it's a good, a positive thing, because it brings a uh, far higher risk to the company. Okay, the cash flow to sales for that. Let's go back up to the cash flow statement. Okay, oops, wrong one. There we go. Okay, 2.9%. Negative two point nine, and its five year average is that the marine stuff here. All goes well. Okay. So their pre cash flow to sales margin is one point seven percent. On average, over the last five years, this is again another profitability metric. This shows how much free cash flow the company produces from its sales. Another way to look at this is for every $1 in sale the company does. Uh, In GameStop's case, over the last five years, it produces 1.7 cents in free cash flow. It's not great. Again, I look for anything above 5% on a consistent basis for the same reason I look for high operating profits and ROICs about 10%. I estimate combined <laughs> In individually that far fewer than 5% of companies surpass these thresholds on an individual basis, on a cumulative basis, thinking all these combined, all three of these important metrics operating uh, profit margin, ROIC, and free cash flow to sales. If a company surpasses all of my thresholds on these, that means it's literally a world-class business. So again, we've done a little under 20 minutes here, discounting the intro edit. And we already know how profitable the company is. If it meets that threshold, if it's a good, good, great, okay, bad operating business, we know if it's been issuing or buying shares and which makes the shares more valuable, less valuable over time. We know book value per share, which shows the kind of general direction of the intrinsic value of the company over time. And we know how profitable a company is from its operations. Plus the ROE, we know this company has a lot of debt. So with, again, less than 20 minutes, and this is taking longer for me because I'm explaining things. Usually I can speed through one of these in 10, 15 minutes. But just with these few things, we already know what enormous amount not about the company. In this case, not good things for GameStop, which I'll illustrate or I'll talk about more later. Um, but let's get to one of my absolute favorite metrics. Nobody else talks about this. Um, never really seen any other investor talk about this. This free cash flow to sales, ROIC are my three, if I had to rely on only three metrics, they would be. these would be the three metrics I would rely on. Cash conversion cycle, which is CCC here, again, I've never seen another investor really talk about it in any depth. Um, you find that over here on the efficiency ratios tab.